Good morning, Hilton Head Island Community Church. I hope you guys are doing well today. Thank you all so much for those of you who are here in the house. I'm really glad that you guys are here. Thank you guys. For those of you who are out on the backstage patio, we've got a full house in the patio. I guess it's kind of a full patio. So anyway, thank you guys. Um, Why don't you guys uh, out there on the patio shout it out to us in here and see if we can hear you. No, we couldn't hear you. Anyway, all right, we're glad that you're here. And those of you who are joining online, you guys too, um, today we're taking just uh, a moment, uh, kind of a Sunday to focus on um, the vision as uh, you just heard about that God has given this church, that God has given us, the people of Hilton Head Island, the people who call ourselves Hilton Head Island Community Church. And vision is one of those things that we have to revisit and we have to kind of reshare, recast, uh, and uh, renew and review quite often. Because if we don't review the vision, uh, we will forget about the vision that God has given us. And that's what today is all about. Next Sunday, I'll be telling you a little bit more at the end of the service about next Sunday, we're kicking off a brand new series. But today, we wanted to take some time to review the vision that God has given us as a church. And I hope that it is challenging for some of you who may be here, uh, who may be new to Hilton Head Island Community Church, and my prayer is is that some of you would kind of make that next step to find out how you can get more involved. And some of you who have been involved for a while, uh, maybe just renew that. I read a uh, story in an article. It goes like this about 350 years ago. Shiploads of travelers landed on the northeast coast of America. The first year, they established a town site. The next year, they elected a town government. The third year, the town government planned to build a road five miles westward into the wilderness. In the fourth year, the people of the town tried to impeach the town government because they thought it was a waste of public funds to build a road five miles westward into the wilderness. Who needs to go west anyway, they thought. Here were the people who had a vision to see 3,000 miles cross an ocean and overcome the great hardship that they no doubt went through to get there. But even in just a few years, they were not able to see even five miles out of town. They had lost their pioneering vision with a clear vision of what we can become, church, in Christ. There is no ocean of difficulty that is too great, but without it, we rarely move beyond our current boundaries. It's true, isn't it? It's true that we can so easily get lost um, in kind of the weeds of, of just five miles out when we look in the rearview mirror and realize that we've crossed the ocean. We've come a long way. And my prayer for our church is, is that as we head into our 15th year, which we will celebrate uh, coming up this fall, I, I can't believe that we're 15 years old, um, we finally made it like like almost out of middle school as a church, okay? So that's good news, right? Um, But we are 15 years. My prayer is that we wouldn't lose the pioneering vision that God gave us in the early days of Hilton Head Island Community Church. Because Hilton Head Island needs a church that is, as the disciples did and the first church did, stirring up the gifts that God has given us and turning the world upside down. But the truth of the matter is, is when we lose 
our vision, when we lose our God-given vision, we perish, just like the people that I just read about. Proverbs talks about when we lose our vision, the people perish. When, when there is no vision, the people perish. But I love the message version of Proverbs 28, 29, verse 18. Check this out. I love the message version. It says this, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. It's true, isn't it? They stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most, what's that next word? Blessed. So my prayer for us is that we, that those of you who are maybe new over the past few years, uh, those of you who are brand new today, those of you who are visiting, no doubt, from Ohio, that you guys even would catch the vision of what God is doing here in Hilton Head Island because we have a big mission. And I believe that God has given us a compelling vision to reach this community and see many people come to Christ. Have you ever launched out on a, on a mission or you've launched out on a task? You've launched out on something, maybe it was in your family or maybe it was in your school or maybe it was in, in your work where you had a project that you were doing and, and maybe, maybe you felt like there was something that you could bring that was new to the team and the team got excited about it and all of a sudden maybe you brought it to your manager or your teacher or your community and all of a sudden all they did was find everything wrong with what you're doing. Have you ever been there? Any of you have ever, ever been there? Just be honest for a moment this morning. Raise your hand if you've been there. Like these vision killers, right? It's awful, isn't it? Some of you are like, I'm a vision killer myself. You're telling me I'm awful? <laughs> no, but we have a special group for you later. You can talk to me later about that. Sometimes when we launch out and we're accomplishing what God has laid on our heart with a mission or vision, uh, we often will come up against some, some type of um, distraction or discouragement on that vision. And I want us today to look to maybe for some of you a familiar passage, maybe to some of you it's not a familiar passage. I want us to look at Nehemiah chapter 4. The story of Nehemiah comes towards the end of the timeline of the Old Testament story, right? The Old Testament uh, story is of, of God using, you know, prophets and priests and kings. And Nehemiah comes into this story when he and many of the Jewish people are in exile in Babylon. And they are essentially uh, exiled away from their homeland, away from their heritage. And Nehemiah receives word from someone who's in Jerusalem that the walls of Jerusalem have absolutely been torn down, the gates have been torn down, the temple's in ruins, and things need to be restored. But because of a lot of the Jews have been in exile for so long, there's no one to accomplish the vision of rebuilding the walls. And Nehemiah becomes passionate about rebuilding the wall. So here he is, hundreds of miles away from his hometown, from his homeland, from where his ancestors came from, and he can do nothing about it, but God gave him this burden. And if you read the whole book of Nehemiah, which I encourage you to do, it is such a great example of an amazing leader, 
someone who was able to take the vision that God gave him and he was able to sell the vision, he was able to support the vision, he was able to go in and inspire others to, to see what no one else maybe saw that only he and God saw. And so he, he was also a very logistically uh, profound leader who was able to, to organize people to accomplish that vision and execute that vision. I love the book of Nehemiah, and if you are a business person in here, businessman or businesswoman, or if you're in school and you want to study management, there is no better example of what leadership is all about and managing people than the book of Nehemiah. This was a strong leader, but even he came up on discouragement, and even he had times where people and situations would distract him from the vision that God gave him potentially. And so Nehemiah became burdened about the walls in Jerusalem because the wall in Jerusalem provided protection for the people of Jerusalem. It provided a, 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 a barrier uh, between them and the enemies. It provided a, a safety that they could go in at night and close the gates and, and be safe. It also provided a way for them to fight off the enemies that might seek to destroy Jerusalem, which we know happened over and over and over again. And so Nehemiah had this burden, and he began to pray, and he even confessed his sin. And he had this time where he fasted, um, and he prayed. And he, he, um, he went to the king, and he asked for permission to go back to Jerusalem. And much to his surprise, and probably the surprise of many other people, not only did the king grant him permission, but the king wrote a letter that basically said, this man is going, and I give him permission, and anyone who comes across him to try to arrest him is violating the king's orders. And not only that, he gave him a century, and he gave him people that would surround him and protect him as he traveled back to Jerusalem. And then he began to cast the vision, and he began to sell this vision of rebuilding the walls. And he was able to organize people, and people came from all over the place, but there were two men who were naysayers. And they were people who tried to distract Nehemiah from accomplishing the vision of rebuilding the walls. Now, we don't know exactly all the reasons why, but it's funny how those people in your life and in my life and in the life of the church who may be naysayers, sometimes there's no reason why. Am I right? They just want to disrupt progress. They want to disrupt God's progress in the case of the church and in the case of Nehemiah. And so he came up against these two men in particular and many others, but their names were Sanballat and Tobiah. Awesome names, man. If I ever buy two dogs at the same time, I'm naming them Sanballat and Tobiah. Those are great names, right? That's awesome. And they were protesting. In fact, they started protesting this building of the wall of Jerusalem all the way back in chapter 2 of Nehemiah. But Nehemiah, he pressed forward. He got people excited about it, and they would, they would press forward even though they had a lot of people that were trying to, to rise up against them. And we come to chapter 4, and by chapter 4, some of the gates that had been dilapidated and fallen down and fallen into disrepair, some of those gates had been rebuilt in preparation for the rest of the wall. And we find in Nehemiah chapter 4 that they begin to actually build the wall. I want to read verses 6 through 15 and talk about how it applies to us as a church 
in this period of time as we review the vision that God has given us. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 6. So we built the wall. So we built the wall. And all the wall was joined together to half its height. For the people had a mind to work. I love that. The people were behind them. But when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites, there's another great name for maybe, uh, you know, a pet or something like that, heard that the repairing of the wall of Jerusalem was going forward and that the breaches were beginning to be closed, they were very, what's that next word? Angry. That's what distractors do. That's what naysayers do. They're angered by success. They're angered by progress. It happens all the time. It happens in any venture, but it especially is going to happen in terms of a venture that God has inspired and that God has led. Verse 8, and they all plotted together to come and to fight against Jerusalem and to cause confusion in it. You remember the Muppets? You remember the, the two old men that would sit in the top, in the upper deck of, of the, you know, the theater that the Muppets, and they would always just kind of criticize, and they would yell, and they would scream, and they would try to disrupt. Um, I, I love those guys. And that's what these two guys remind me of, the old Muppets, the old Muppets. But they were ready to fight. And we prayed to God, verse 9. And we pray to our God and set as a guard, as a protection against them day and night. Once Nehemiah found out that these men were willing to fight, he set up guards, but they also prayed. Logistically and realistically, they realized that they needed physical protection, but they didn't ignore that they needed spiritual protection too, and they hit their knees. Remember, Nehemiah had been praying and fasting from the very beginning. They realized how much they needed God, but they also realized that they needed to set up a guard. Verse 10, in Judah it was said, this is a long way away, in Judah it was said, the strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. There is too much rubble by ourselves. We will not be able to rebuild the wall. And all of a sudden, the naysayers' influence began to spread. That happens too, doesn't it? With people who are against a God-given vision and mission. As it begins to spread, it kind of becomes infectious. I realize it's not a good word to use in our day and age, but it's true. And they say, by ourselves, we will not be able to rebuild the wall. And on one hand, they were right. I'll explain that in a minute. On another hand, they were wrong. Verse 11, and our enemies said, they will not know, of, uh, they will not know or see till we come among them and kill them to stop the work. This is the second threat of the lives of those who were rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem. At the time, the Jews who lived near them came from all directions and said to us ten times, you must return to us. It's time to end this. So in the lowest parts of the space, behind the walls and open places, Nehemiah says, I stationed the people by their clans with swords, their spears and bows. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles and the officials, and to the rest of the people, do not be, what's that next word? Afraid. Do not be afraid of them. And he says, remember the Lord who is great, 
Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Now here's the thing, church. I want you to hear this. God has given this church a great gift. And he has given us this opportunity to reach our community for him. To go into our community and to tell our community of the great work of God. To share the gospel message that God loves people so much that he sent his son to die on a cross, to rise again three days later. So that if we put our faith in him, we can have eternal life. And our mission as a church has always been the same. It is why we do what we do. It is to passionately share the message of Jesus and to lead people to follow him. That's our mission as a church. That's why we do what we do. And when we started Hilton Head Island Community Church, it came right from the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, 19 and 20. He says, Jesus says to his disciples, by the way, this was when he came back to appear to them after he had died. He came back for 40 days. He appeared to over 500 people. There were witnesses to the fact that Jesus came back after he had died and rose again. He came back to earth for 40 days. And, And during this period of time, he said, as Matthew ends is right where it ends. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That's our mission. That's where it comes from. To share the message of Jesus, that's the, that's the, that's making believers, making disciples of all the nations. And then the second part of that is teaching them to be followers of Jesus. We passionately share the message of Jesus and lead people to follow him. And that's our mission. And church, I want you to hear that if that mission, which I believe is God-given, if that mission is surrounded and saturated in prayer, if we have the people that are a part of Hilton Head Island Community Church who are all in in terms of that mission. And if we are praying about it and if we are executing it and if we are on it as his people and if we remember him and if we trust him, there is nothing that can rise up that is strong enough to defeat that mission. There may be a few bumps in the road. There may be a few... Tobias and sand ballots along the way. There might even be a rumbling here or there from within about how preposterous it is to build a road westward. But God has already seen us across the ocean in so many ways. And some of you were there in the early days. When we started this church, we had no place to meet. We were commissioned by Jeff Cranson and Lowcountry Community Church to, to start a church on Hilton Head Island. And after a year, I called Jeff Cranston, who was my spiritual dad and is still the pastor at Lowcountry. And I said, I don't, I don't know where you want us to meet. And everybody's saying no. I had pastors who looked at me. And I was a young kid, essentially, that just moved here, looked at me and said, we don't need another church will tell the almost 1,000 people who have accepted Christ as their Savior over 15 years. Tell them 
then another church wasn't needed. Y'all, listen, we could use 10 more churches like this in our community. There's only 9% of our community that attends church. And I don't know about you, I want to make a dent in that. I want to make a dent in that. God began to move in my life and in the life of our elders and staff, stewardship team, over the past couple years, when we finished moving into, we, we moved in, we finished a campaign right in the middle of a pandemic. That wasn't a real smart move, but I had no control over that. You didn't either. We moved into um, our community center. We, we were able to, to pay off all of, all of the debt on this side of the property. We were able to move in there, help uh, start a church in Belize, help our, our partners all around the world uh, from 2018 through about 2020 in the middle of 2020, right in the middle of the pandemic. And God did amazing things through our campaign, through our time that we called All In. But about two years ago, I felt like there needed to be a renewal of this vision and values. And what, are, what are we working towards? What do we picture? Some people have said that vision is a picture of a foreseeable and better future, and I love that. And here's what I see in terms of the vision and values of Hilton Head Island Community Church, which we kind of launched this vision last August. And many of you weren't a part. And so this is part of the reason that we're reviewing this vision and talking about this, is this is the kind of church that we believe that God has for us these seven words. This is how and who we are and how we are going to accomplish it. The first thing is we want to be a church that is welcoming. You guys see these words when you come in here each and every week, don't you? We want to be a welcoming church, a church where all people can passionately worship God, where people can come in and find out what worship is all about, where they can come and find out that it's not just a Sunday morning thing, that worship is a lifestyle thing. We want to be a church that is a worshiping church where all people can figure that out. Years ago, I heard a story of a, a church that had just started and they were doing a fantastic job and someone came into that church and we were part of that church on Sunday morning and she left that church. She wasn't a believer and she told someone, I loved it, but I never heard the name Jesus not once. That's why we're here. It's to worship him. It's to worship him. To give God praise for what he's done and we can do that together. Those who are Christ followers and those who are a church where all people can passionately worship God. A church that is loving. It's the second of our seven words of this new vision and values that I believe that God has given us. A church where all people can come without fear of judgment. A loving church. A loving church. A church that loves all people because I don't know about you, I came to the realization a long time ago that I'm not very lovable. You can ask my family, especially at night, sometimes especially on Saturday night, oddly enough, I'm not very lovable. And I realized that Jesus came to die for me. And that in my sin and in my arrogance and in my sometimes stupidity, I Yes, I am sometimes, okay? So I'm a guy, all right? So anyway, but in my stupidity and in my arrogance sometimes, Jesus loved me, even at my worst. And if he loved me that much, so I should love other people. 
regardless of who they are, where they've come from, or what they look like. We are to be a church. If we are going to be a church that's part of this vision, it is loving. Regardless of where they come from, they can come here without fear of being judged. The third one is growing. We want to be a church that is growing. And I'm not talking numerically. I'm leaving that up to God. We don't talk a whole lot about numbers here. That's something fun that pastors love to talk about, especially at conferences. I've talked about that before. How big is your church? How big is your church? How big is your church? Okay. All right, guys. Just calm down here for a second. But we want to be a church where you come and you can grow in your faith walk. Where your kids, I'll talk about that in a moment, can come and they can learn about Jesus and grow in their faith walk. We want to be a church that provides safe communities for people to connect with others and grow in their relationship with God. And that happens best in community, doesn't it? Happens best in community. We have over 20 groups. That means there's a place for over 200 people in the life of this church to get plugged in. If you're not plugged in, you're missing out into a group. That's what we're all about. The fourth thing is, is giving. We want to be a church that, as I mentioned earlier, is generous, so generous that we are debt-free so that we can give generously to local and global missions. You all have given so much. You've been so generous over these past months and years. In fact, you've been so generous that since December the 1st, we've lowered our debt from 1.1 million to under, um, uh, uh, we're under $800,000 right now. And that is a very good thing. God is doing amazing things through your giving. And my dream is that is taken care of by 2025. And I believe God will answer that request so that we can give more to our local and global missions. A church that is entrusting, it's our next word, a church that is intentional in reaching the next generation with the message of Jesus Christ. All right, I'm going to let you in on a little secret that I, I haven't said this publicly, but I'm going to let you in on. I prayed over the last year that our church would grow younger. Please don't be offended by that, okay? <laughs> I turned 50 fairly soon, so, all right, it's a prayer kind of against me, right? But I prayed that we would grow younger because that's an indicator of a growing church, isn't it? You know, Hilton Head is growing younger. There are more and more families moving into Hilton Head. Our population of, I don't want to say young people because that sounds so old. Our population of families with kids is growing and so we should be growing and God has answered that prayer. Our kid ministry and our student ministry is growing. I'm so thankful and so excited for Ben who runs Highland Kids who you rarely see because he's back there and Justin who is our next gen pastor runs our student ministry. We want to be a church that is entrusting the next generation with the gospel, with the message of Jesus Christ. We want to be a church that is serving, a church that is the first call into our local community in whatever way is needed. Why shouldn't the church be the first call when there's a need on Hilton Head Island? Do you know that's beginning to happen? It's beginning to happen. It's beginning to happen as we've gotten to know town leaders and town officials and as we've gotten to know some of the 24-7 first responders in our community. They are beginning to call us when there's a need. And I love that because that's what Jesus was all about. That's what we ought to be all about. Whatever way 
as possible. And lastly, we want to be a church that is a sending church, a church with a global presence advancing the message of Jesus Christ. I dream of a day when we as a church have a presence on every habitable continent in the world. And God is doing amazing things with our partners down in Central America. Got a new partner in South America. We've got a new partner over in Europe, in Scotland, that we're beginning to develop that relationship with. We've got a long-term partner that we've had in Kenya, in Africa. Justin has taken a, a group to Belize coming up this summer, and we're investigating taking a group to Kenya uh, in January. And God is doing amazing things in and through you. And this is the vision that God has given to this church. And some of you may look at this mission and vision, and some of you may go, you know what? Probably not my thing, and that's okay. It really is. It really is. I'm not kidding. I'm not just, well, I'm not lying about that. If this isn't what you believe God has for you and for your family, that is all right. But there are so many of you who are part of this church, and I want you to know, and I want you to be reminded that this is who we are, and this is who I believe that God has called us to become as a church. And I never, ever, ever want us to lose the pioneering spirit that God gave us in the early days of this church to go reach this community for Jesus. Because community is our middle name, isn't it? And we've got a lot of names. Some have told me too many names. But community is our middle name. And we are here to reach our community. And I wanted to take some time today to remind you about that. I wanted to take some time today to tell you, if you aren't involved, if you haven't plugged in, I, I want you to plug in. I want you to be the people that help us build that road five miles westward so that we can continue the mission and the vision that God has given to us. It's not just me. It's not just Cynthia. It's not just Josh and, Josh and Justin and Ben and our staff. It's us. We're on this together. And I want to challenge you to find ways that you can be involved, to find ways that you can play a part in this great vision and mission that I believe that God has given us. After this service, we're going to have next. And for some of you who may just be new or maybe not plugged in, I'd love for you to come back for 20 minutes, half an hour to backstage and just allow myself and Justin to share with you how you guys can can be more involved. I think that God has moved us from a place where largely for the first 14 years or so, our vision largely is focused on the place. But I believe that God has moved us to a period of time for the foreseeable future, for the life of this church, where our vision is no longer more about place, but it's about people. It's about reaching the people of this community and reaching the people of the world. May we not forget the work of the Holy Spirit in all of this, as we talked about last week. Because when the first church came together, they knew they couldn't do it by themselves. Just like many of the people were rebuilding the wall that Nehemiah led them. They knew they couldn't do it by themselves. They needed the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says this. You will receive power 
when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's where we're going to go. To our Jerusalem, which is right here. To our Samaria, which is just a little bit beyond here in Judea. But we have a mission to take this message and take this mission and to take it to the ends of the earth. And I hope that you can be a part of what God is doing at Hilton Head Island Community Church today and in the days to come. Father, I thank you for this mission you've given us. I thank you that it has been confirmed, it has been reaffirmed, and God, there are times when we must revisit this, lest we lose the excitement and the vision that you've given us, that you gave us back in 2007 to be a church that is different, to be a people who are different, to be a place that is different. Help us, Father, to never lose that pioneering vision that you have instilled in your people here. Father, I pray that we would be able to be people who withstand the naysayers, the, dis the distractors, the detractors. Father, that we would be able to, to push through that and to continue to be focused on the mission and the vision and the values that you have instilled here at Hilton Head Island Community Church. And Father, I pray for more and more people to be a part of it. Father, I pray for people who are all in, who get excited, who, who themselves say, I want to know what's next for me and for my family. I want to know how, how I can be involved. Father, we need, as Nehemiah needed, many, many, many more to help us with this great mission you've given us, with this great vision you've given us. And I pray that you would raise up those leaders, those servants, those volunteers that are needed to accomplish it. And Father, I pray that we would be led by your Holy Spirit, Father, that we would be people who are continually led by the power of your Holy Spirit, that we would realize that we cannot do this on our own. Your word says that we shouldn't lean on our own understanding, but in all of our ways that we should acknowledge you. And Father, I pray that we would be a church as we see lives transformed and as we are about a transformational type church, Father, I pray that we would lean on you, that we would trust in you, and that we would follow the power of your Holy Spirit. Lead us and guide us. Help us to not forget, like Nehemiah said to the people in Jerusalem, remember the Lord your God. Father, may we not forget what you are doing. May we be aware of it. We may, may we be people who are always focused on what you want for your people. In Jesus' name, I pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen.